Evgeny Malkin can't crush your team's chemistry if he is your team's chemistry. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, here to cover Penguins versus Hurricanes tonight at PNC Arena. The visitors will be hard-pressed, to say the least, to match what they achieved last night down in Tampa, Florida. Beating the Lightning 5-1, to one, and yet somehow enormously exceeding the way that score makes it come across. Complete dominance from front to finish. Tampa Bay was put into a position of submission after like the first or second run through the lines. Made a couple of peeps of noise at various points, usually just to squeak at Mark Friedman about something, but otherwise, not a thing. Like they didn't even exist. Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, even Andre Vasilevsky, who stops all the breakaways and did not stop Brock McGinn or Gino on their respective breakaways. And it was brutal, really. And if you factor into that additionally, that the Lightning had been playing really, really good hockey of late. This wasn't a case of three-peat fatigue like we saw with the Penguins at times in 2018. They've been kicking some tail everywhere they've gone. And for the second time this season, the Penguins went into that arena and just mauled them. The other, of course, being the opener, which was 6-1. to one. Now, there were Notable differences as well, because if you go back to that game, the opener, the Penguins were missing about a third of their roster, including Geno, Sidney, Crosby, and well, I can't even remember right now. It was it was amazing that they even would have stayed in that game, let alone coming away with the result that they did. But this team, this team is built on its stars. And I don't mean that in the obvious sense. Of course it is. I mean, as we're speaking, on a game-to-game, week-to-week basis, the players who are carrying the Penguins to success are all of the usual names. And that, in and of itself, is a good thing. That's a positive. You want that. You want Gino to get a goal and two assists like he did last night. You want Sid to score a big goal like he did. You want the power play to just keep doing all that stuff that they're doing. You don't want Chris Letang dropping his gloves with anybody, including Braden Point. But you do want him performing with that kind of intensity as well as everything else that he brings. And I'm not even mentioning Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, and the rest of their main guys. The challenge here has been to converge 
that team that won in that very first game in Tampa and that style and that tenacity with the Stars. And it's taken some time. And I got to tell you, it was just one game. But it also was the strongest sign yet that it can come together. And that, oh, by the way, Gino's not about to disrupt anything. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Here's what Mike Sullivan had to say after this game about Geno's general performance. I thought that was Geno's best game uh, of the year to this point. I, I felt like with each game, he's getting better and better. Uh, tonight, I thought he was just in beast mode the way you know the way he commanded the puck, and it just followed him around tonight. And that's when you know when he's at his best. Nobody needs me to add anything to that. Uh, if all you saw of the game last night in Tampa was the one shift where he took out two bolts physically, punishingly, then back-checked, took the puck away from the same bolt he just decked, headed up the rink, flew up the rink, demanded that he get the puck on a breakaway, went flying in on Vasilevsky, and just deposited it behind him as if it was like one of those goalies that you keep around the rink in case your regular goalie doesn't come. That's how he treated Vasilevsky with that shot. And then he skates into the corner and the camera that's there captures this really animated, almost animalistic reaction that he had. It's beast mode, Gino. That's all that is. Beast mode. But what's the most impressive component as it relates to this conversation is that along the way, all through this game, and really, if you're being honest, pretty much since he's been back in the lineup, he's not only fit in, he's set the tone for his line, including systematically. I know it's not as much fun to talk about it whenever he just does it, It's way more fun to focus on when he makes one giveaway and you say, aha, look at that. The poison, the cancer is back in the lineup and it's screwing up everybody else and they'd be just fine if he went away. Oh, no, no, because those things that he did on the hockey rink last night were things that other humans can't do. And those things came with the very real foundation of the system that's in place, which when Gino is at the top of his game, when he's right at his peak, and I got to say that's as close as he gets at this age, the funny little thing is that he plays the system better than anybody. If you've appreciated the entirety of of Gino's NHL career. You'll know that he's always led 
the Penguins in takeaways. Everyone talks about the giveaways. He is a perennial winner of this non-trophy. He always leads the team in takeaways. Why? Long stick, lots of smarts in his own end, but he's also there and he's active. Back around the time a couple of years ago, whenever the talk of trading Gito and moving on and everything had reached probably its crescendo in Pittsburgh, I was one of the very few people saying all that needs to happen here is he needs to hit his 2.0 stride. And if that means looking at fellow Russian players, as happens a lot in that little fraternity, so be it. Go look at what Sergei Fedorov did. Go look at what Pavel Datsuk did. Datsuk was always really good defensively. Fedorov was always really, really good defensively. But they took that to another level, and they continued to create offense off their defense. And they continued, way more importantly, to win. This always made sense. The suggestion that Gino would somehow screw things up for everybody else never made sense. When we come back, just one question. And today's J1Q comes from James Cullen in Perth, Australia, who asks, I'm familiar with this in baseball, but since when did ejecting the coach become a thing in hockey? I honestly don't recall seeing this before. Well, James, it, it, it does happen. It's exceedingly rare, certainly compared to baseball, where they will not only track the number of times a manager gets ejected, but they announce it in the press box as if it's a formal stat. This was Derek Shelton's fifth ejection of the 2021 season. And it sounds like, whoa, yeah, you got to reach over for a pen and write that down somewhere. This was unusual, but it was also richly deserved and probably ought to happen a little bit more often. For anybody who missed the specifics of this, John Cooper the same guy who complained in Tampa after that season opener that his team lost to the Penguins' quote, farm team, end quote, which was, while it was rooted in accuracy, still came across as a cheap shot and wasn't appreciated by Brian Burke, among other people in the Penguins' hierarchy. This time, as the second period's winding down, his guys are starting to lose it a little bit. Pat Maroon's running around trying to get things started. And a sequence happens where a whole bunch of guys get mixed up. And the Bolts ended up taking the brunt of the penalty calls. Wes McCauley, who is the most colorful and outspoken of all the NHL's officials, is the guy on the ice. And Cooper just won't stop. And he's yelling out. You can read his lips. They're the best. They're the best. And he's referring to the Penguins in an extremely familiar refrain from contending, competing coaches over the years. We heard it from Barry Trotz. We heard it from Peter Laviolette. We heard it a lot from John Tortorella. They feel that the Penguins are treated as if they're angels because they've always had skill and superstars and 
They don't take many penalties, and other than a handful of years under Dan Bilesman, never really thugged it up against anyone. And Cooper apparently didn't appreciate in particular that the Penguins are, and this is a fact, the least penalized team in the NHL. In fact, he brought that up after the game. I was in shock that we were shorthanded. Um, you know, that team, they don't take, for some reason, they're by far the lowest penalized team in the league. I'm not sure why, but they are. And, and uh, you know, for us to go down again, to be short out of, out of that situation, it was a little frustrating. Now, this is disingenuous. He knows why the Penguins are the least penalized team in the league, and it's not because they don't get their share of tripping and hooking and holding minors. It's because they very, very rarely will engage a team in some sort of night-long festival of fights, the kind that has your team run up 100, 120 PIMs before the final horn goes. The Penguins just don't do that. And that comes from Mike Sullivan, who just believes that it's a waste of his players' time and their energy. He wants them to invest their energy, including their anger, on what ultimately hurts the other team the most. And this man answers to Burke and to Ron Hextel, two of the fieriest competitors in their own fields for decades. And he's not only sold them on this philosophy, he sold it to his players, and it works. And my guess is, if you want to get at least a little conspiratorial about this, Officials probably enjoy doing games involving the Penguins because they know they're not going to have to be spending the night peeling bodies apart and risking getting punched in the face themselves and, and everything else. Now, there was some of that in this one. The Penguins do stand up for themselves whenever they're being directly confronted. But the moment you start to see it wind down, you'll see the Penguins will just kind of get up dust themselves off, and go back to the bench, not really have much of an expression on their faces until the end of the night when they're all tapping their goaltender on top of the helmet. So Cooper was getting in his words, would not stop, would not stop, just kept, they're the best, they're the best. You know, look at them. And Macaulay from the other side of the rink just pointed to the tunnel. Get lost. You, gone. And Cooper, at least... This part was to his credit, did. He didn't hang around. If you're asking, James, if this is a, a rule that was manipulated or added or, you know, addressed spontaneously, the answer is no. The official, any of the four officials, can justify a reason to remove anybody from the rink area as they deem necessary. And they take more abuse than any officials in any sport. If you look sideways at a basketball ref, you get a T, and then after that, not long, you're gone. In baseball, if you so much as think a negative thought about the home plate umpire, you get ejected. Hockey probably needs to take care of its refs a little bit better. You know, I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Again, I'm here in Raleigh to cover the game tonight, and we will have another Daily Shot on Monday. 